we've hinted at a little bit, but last week was a little bizarre. We had all kinds of stuff going on, and, and one of the things that, that really caught me off guard was I had kind of, I had, well, I didn't kind of, I had prepared a message. I had, I had prepared a message that I thought was right what it needed to be for the moment, but I just kind of went off my notes, and I told Sherry um, that I said, I I'm not sure what happened. I kind of just went. I said, I used some of the verses and some of the things, and I tried to pull myself back on, but I just kind of went on my own. I said, and then what was worse is I went for over 25 minutes. Um, Wes would be <laughs> giving me a dirty look from the back row. Um, but as a, as, and she, she said, let's, let's listen to it. Because I had gone to Kansas City for a couple nights. I needed a little sabbatical and, and, and ran up there and... and um, we're laying in bed, and I'm playing some of the, the parts from, from Wes's uh, you know, celebration of life. And afterwards, I said, did you listen to the message this week? And she said, no. And I told her, I said, oh, I had my laptop for music. I said, poor, poor Mark was trying to read off of a Chromebook about the yay big, and we had no bulletins. And, and it was just, I said, but it was okay. It was, it was what it needed to be. And if we, can't take, if we take ourselves too seriously, then we really don't have a heart for, for why we're here, right? Right. I mean, yes, yes, I owe it to you to give you the best experience on a Sunday morning as I can, but I am human, and you got the Tyler show last week, and let's hope that is all out of our system. <laughs> but as, I, as we're listening in bed, and, and of course, you know, a couple things had transpired early in the week, and so I'm, I'm discouraged. I, I, I was discouraged. I was very discouraged. Um, and that's how Satan gets at me. You know, I can have some big stuff happen, and I've had some big stuff happen in my life, but Satan knows. He's like, mm, you, know, this, you know, death by a thousand cuts is kind of how that feels sometimes. And you're like, and you start questioning yourself. And as I'm listening to this message, I'm getting elbowed in my ribs. It's just like, did you hear that? Did you hear what that guy said? Well, guess, guess who that guy was, <laughs> you know? And it was exactly what I needed to hear. It was exactly what I needed to hear. It was about focusing on God, not on the problems. It was about focusing on the eternity, not the thing. I don't know what you got that out of that message, and I'm gonna sound really selfish here, but I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that, and I hope in what I share on Sunday mornings, it's all out of the Bible. I don't give you, I, I do give you my opinions, but I say this is a Tyler thing, and I fib, I tell you their pastor stories, I exaggerate a little bit, but it's all from scripture, and I will tell you exactly where it is, and I hope you get something. It could be the strangest thing like why I, I don't know, you know, what I enjoy about eating peppers might be the message. And if you do not like eating peppers, I'm hoping there's something in there that still spoke to you. You don't like peppers, do you, Donna? <laughs> no, it wasn't peppers. It oh, was, it was onions. onions. Yes, we all know that, that you cannot have onions. We, yes, yes, we were that. But, you know, and I hope there's something in it for you. So this week, okay, so there's sometimes you just have to be somewhere, right? And you say, you just had to be there. You just had to be there. And and I think everyone should gather for worship on Sunday morning like we do on Sundays. It, it's scriptural, it's good, and it's healthy. And we gather, as the Bible says, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Right? Isn't that what we do when we, when we smile and we greet each other and we pray for each other? And it says not giving up on meeting each other, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Every day, it becomes more and more important to be encouraging. And we can see that sometimes because life happens. We lose jobs, we have financial struggles, we have illnesses, we have losses in our family, we have relationship strife, right? In all the meantime, we're trucking towards this day when Christ is coming back. All the more as the day grows near. 
I also consider giving this time to God of worship a means of offering. You know, we talked about that. It's not just about the giving the time because we focus on that. I think it's good to say, look, you know, the Bible talks about your first fruits. If you want to look at it this way, the first hour of your first day of the week is in church. We are setting the tone for this week, right? Sometimes we need to do that to get up the armor. Sometimes we need that just for the, just to get the, um, you know, the spiritual juices going for the week. But, but that being said, there are times when we simply can't be here. We're ill, we're traveling, the course, the complications, the current health crisis. And these things may prevent us from gathering here at one time on Sunday mornings. Fortunately, we know we can worship God from anywhere, just like prayer. In fact, we're advised to, as Scripture says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We can do that. You can worship at home. You can sing hymns. You can hum. You can, you can pray to God. He loves that. And we certainly have the means to stay connected socially in order to maintain fellowship with one another, right? And thanks to the help of technology, we can listen to podcasts such as this to hear the worship message part of the service. So that was a pretty wordy segue. This is a time you're going to want to see this because this morning we're going to answer the question, does God still perform miracles? And in order to do that, we need to understand what a miracle is and what a miracle is not. A miracle is not magic. This is the part I think everyone's going to see and Sherry warned me about. Normal arm, right? Through the power of magic, I can make this arm go up. No strings. Right? Magic, right? No. Normal pencil? Or is it made of rubber? I, have you guys ever looked through this up here? You know I still have candles from the 100th message. <laughs> if, and, and I keep this because if any of you guys lives a really good life and we celebrate a birthday, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff. There's timers and lights. Okay. I'm a fork. You see this fork? I can bend it on the pulpit. Oh. It's back. That's courtesy of the website Magic Tricks for Kids, by the way. Um, I really thought that would be a great icebreaker. I'm really sad that you guys didn't really embrace that. Um, and no one's going to think they missed anything now on the podcast. But these things are illusions, right? Or jokes. You know, it's a, it's a sleight of hand. It's a, it's a visual thing. They aren't miraculous. You know, like so many other words, we use the term miracle so liberally to mean things. It, it was a miracle I found a parking spot you know, at the mall on Christmas. What about the 1980 U.S. hockey team? Remember that? What were they called? Miracle on Ice. Miracle. It was a miracle he survived the car crash. That was, that's, a, that's a real thing. It's a thing. But are those real milkers with just highly unusual or unexpected outcome? The Bible defines miracle as an, an action of God. Listen to that. A miracle is an action of God that produces a result that is not from natural means. A miracle points to God as a source, as the overseer, and, and as a challenge to, to deny that it actually happened or occurred. Okay? That's a mirac miraculous thing. A miracle is an action of God. It requires God to do it, and it makes a difference. <clears throat> and the Bible speaks of many miracles, real miracles, real miracles. And I'm going to speak generally about a few of them. And as always, I'm going to give you a taste of what God's word says. And I want to encourage you to open your Bible and read for yourself what he has written. When we think of miracles, we tend to think primarily of what Jesus accomplished, and rightfully so. 
But remember the story of Moses leading the Israelites from slavery through the wilderness and then the promised land. That story in Exodus Numbers is loaded with actions that God produced as a result from other than natural means. Many times the serpent, and you remember this from the Bible story or the movie or, or, or Sunday school, he took the staff and it became a serpent and back and forth and back and forth to prove God's power. The so-called plagues that afflicted Egypt until the Israelites were freed were miracles for all these things that happened. Parting of the Red Sea, that's one we know, or manna, which is bread from heaven, water sprung from rocks in the wilderness, the burning bush that was never consumed. These are just some of many, many miracles. And each one of these pointed back to God as the cause and served his purpose, which proved his power and it freed his people. It provided for his people and reminded everyone that he was in control. He sent the Israelites from slavery. And at times as they're wandering through this wilderness, never knowing if the next day was the day, and this went on for 40 years, there were times when they thought maybe we should go back to slavery. That's better than not knowing where we're going, when we're going to get there, or if we're going to have food and water. And said, Moses said, okay, I'll make water here. Okay, you wake up and find bread here miraculous events. Moses might have been there. He might have been a key player in the story. But they were from God and point back to God's glory. And in the books of First and Second Kings, you find the miracles associated with Elijah and Elisha. Those are good reads too. And again, I encourage you to open God's word and ask him to reveal his lesson to you as you read about the power and majesty of your heavenly father who has always loved and cared for his children. And that is exactly what we are. Now, Jesus himself performed miracles that are recorded in the Gospels. And let's take a quick look at several from the book of John. The book of John actually has seven of them. And I'm just going to read the first and last, but kind of give you a list. And most of these you'll, you'll remember. First was changing water into wine in Cana. This is found in John 2, 1 through 11. It says, it's the first of the signs. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, and I want to make sure you understand this, the Greek word of woman is not derogatory. You hear that today, like woman, and it's, it's not that, okay? It's a respectful term in, in biblical use. It says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. Remember, it's all about God's plan, God's timing. But his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. She knows. Jesus has got some abilities and stuff. says, he may have told me no, but if he says something, you, you do that. And nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial, ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. Huh, did you know that was biblical? <laughs> but you have saved the best till now. Do you understand what he's saying? Not only did he do the miracle, he gave you the best miracle. You know, not just the, the, the bare minimum of what needed to be done. It says, when Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. He went on to heal the royal uh, official son. That's John 4. 
Um, he healed the, the paralytic in Bethesda, it's John 5. He fed the 5,000. You know the story. You know the story. He was speaking, and they said, we need to feed these people. There's no food. And, and I would be going, well, that, why is that my problem? But Jesus is more compassionate than Tyler. And, and you saw what happened. They took what they had, and they broke it into pieces. They spread it around. And when they were done, the leftovers were more than they started with. That's a miracle, unexplainable, attributed to God, undeniable, and for his purpose to feed his children so they could remain there and hear the lessons. Jesus walking on the water. Sometimes it's not just the miracle of, of watch what I can do. You have to remember that, that he sent the disciples ahead of him, and they're out to sea, and he walked and approached them. Okay? When he calmed the storm, it's not about watch what I can do. It's listen to the lesson. I can calm the storm. I can cure. I can control nature. Healing the man from blind from birth, John 9. And then, of course, the raising of Lazarus. I'm going to read this one. This is from John 11. 1 through 45. So we know that he can heal, we can cure, he can do miraculous things with weather. Jesus can raise from the dead. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. We read this story last week, Mary and Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. This is the reference back to that previous story. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Then he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. What? Why would Jesus or God let this man be sick? Sometimes he does it so he can use that. We're hearing this now. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks on the daylight will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will be better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. That's interesting if you remember the roles of Mary and Martha in the house. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Oh, it's God's fault. We ever do that, right? God's fault this happened. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come in the world. After she, she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place 
where Mary had, or Martha had met him. When the Jews had been, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. Listen to these two words, 35. Jesus wept. He, he mourns with us at our loss, at our suffering. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could, you not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Again, it's Jesus' fault. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. We can agree that these are all miraculous things. And some of them are easier for us to conceptualize than others, right? Because we keep wanting to rationalize it with the world. But they are all actions of God. They are all produced a result that were not from natural means. And these events pointed to God, even though they are performed by Jesus as a source. They pointed to God. He gave God glory even at the end. He prayed. He said, he prayed out loud. And he said, you know, I know this. I'm just saying out loud so they can hear, so they can get it. But there are a whole other, I'll call them a category of miracles. These are the unseen or unrecognized. These miracles are the ones that go unnoticed and might include things like God's intervention to prevent an illness or an accident. You know, A miracle because it is something that God did, but we likely have no idea that even occurred. Our, our health and safety, even the provisions for everyday life are things, miraculous things God has done to make sure we have food, clothing, shelter, a means of income warm places to be, people who love us. Go back two years of the message titled Thanks for Nothing, where we talked about the underappreciated blessings of nothing going on in our lives. And if you're a parent or when you had young kids and like, we have going on this weekend, you like smile and go, nothing. I have nothing going on. I can relax. I don't have soccer or whatever, you know. And it's the same way. Don't forget to thank God when things are okay, neither great nor bad. God is moving some pieces around. And I, I believe that when God answers prayer, that's a miracle. We're claiming miracles when we pray, even this morning. God, God steps into our world to act in response to our requests and in response to our needs. And whether it's to heal or protect or to equip us for service in his kingdom, all of these are miracles. God uses them in the only way he can. And they are God's divine intervention in the normal working of the natural world. And these miracles are happening in the world today, still today. So there's your answer. Yes, God still performs miracles. This is just one more promise that God has kept from you, or kept with you. And if you remember, he did this in Exodus. He did this in First and Second Kings. He did this throughout the New Testament. Like, well, how do I know that he's still doing other than 
we can see some of the things. Well, listen to some of the words from Scripture, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? He loved you then, he loves you now. He worked for you then, he worked for you now. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. He keeps his promises. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the heaven, Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Isn't there some comfort in knowing there's stability there? Even Jesus promises in John 5, 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Paul, in Philippians 1, 6, and he was talking about Jesus, he said, Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. All the stuff, we're a work in progress. That should bring you comfort. And it's going to keep going on. Okay. Now, if I were to oversimplify and categorize these, I would say the signs that God is working. Uh, there's a couple signs that God is working and doing some miraculous things. One is things are going well. You know, we, those are easy. Like, I'm blessed. Whew, that's a, it's a miracle that I have all these wonderful things happening in my life. Okay, those are easy. Don't forget to thank God for that. Sometimes things go poorly, especially on the tail of something really good or right before you're about to do something really good. You know, Satan attacks with divisiveness. Satan attacks you with discouragement and discord because God is doing or he's about to do or he just did something fantastic. When you're on these mountain highs, the devil would like to knock you down just a little bit. Don't come off of a great week. Don't come off of, of wonderful things that you've done or God has done in your life or through you or the church or the community and let anything take away from that. You know, even as we're, as a church, going into some decisions, you know, here, here we got a couple things going on where we're picking some new leadership. Um, we're getting some some energy and excitement going you know and it's a good time because we're going into the winter and typically attendance gets less because the people who like the lake and the warmth yeah i know you like the lake and the warmth but you're still here thank you but the um you know it's it's a time it's not a season to to peel back and go oh, we're in the off season time to hibernate it's a time to get things organized you know, we have a, a really unique ability as a church like this to really keep things going in the winter and really get things. I'm excited about next year. This time last year, we were talking about the 40th anniversary. Now, COVID got in the middle of that, but COVID did not destroy that. We'll just celebrate our 41st and then our 42nd, you know. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. That's the stuff we're excited about. And I wouldn't put it past the devil to try to disrail that a little bit. I've got new leadership coming in. I've got, you know, uh, a season when, when attendance tends to dip a little bit and, and things like that. And I've disrupted things with COVID. I'm going to just kind of see if I can't shake, shake some of that excitement. No, no. That's not what's going to happen here. It's not what's going to happen here. And the third time is when God seems absent. This one can be a little unsettling. Like things are neither good nor bad. We're just trucking on in this wilderness season. It's a pretty good sign he's moving some big pieces around, lining things up. And you've heard my story, and I know everybody in this room probably has one. Some of the best things that happened in your life are the result of some things that had to go around 
go on around you that you maybe didn't learn about till later or or maybe you know maybe you never figured out how they happened but god moved some pieces i bet every relationship in this room started with a whole bunch of pieces that had to move around for you to connect the way you did i know ours did you know we're celebrating five years and in, in December. You know what's really cool about that? I've been a part of this church, or more importantly, this church has been a part of my life through some really bad stuff and, and some really good stuff. And then this whole relationship has evolved. I mean, you guys who have known me for five years know that I didn't know this woman that <laughs> much long before that, you know? Um, and, and, and that's fun to share that story and that history. But anyway, that's, I, I step aside. So, if things are good, that's real easy. Thank God. If things are, are bad or, or feel like they're being attacked, thank God. God, you either did something good or you're about to do something good. Thank you. Now help me toughen up a little bit. And the third thing, God, I'm not sure where you're at in this, but I know you're always with me. So I've got a, the faith that you're moving some pieces around and I'm excited about what comes next. Bring it on. But since God doesn't change or give up, we must not either. Listen to this from Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God's timing and our, our own are never the same, rarely the same, and that's my biggest gripe with him. He's always done a great job, but come on, Lord. You know? Romans 12, 12 through 13. Be joyful in hope, right? Celebrate hope. Patient in affliction. You'll get through this. Faithful in prayer. Always talk to God. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So as always, I'm going to challenge you to respond appropriately to whichever these circumstances you find yourself in. Put your faith in action. More so when you feel like it is being put to the test. I want each one of us to be a constant witness to God's glory. God will protect you. It is the original witness protection program. I stole that term. I love that though. If you're going to give a testimony, like the good kind of testimony that God calls on, you are in the witness protection program because you're a witness and he will protect you. That's his promise. So does God perform miracles today? I have no scriptural reason that I found why God would not or could not perform miracles today. He is still sovereign God and our modern world is not somehow minimize his ability to act in marvelous ways. But... But now God most often works through his people. Listen to this from Acts 19, 11 through 12. These are the Apostle Paul's words. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. God still works today and he uses people like you and he uses people like me to do it. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the manifestation of spirits and some of the spiritual gifts. And, and some of them are these miraculous things. Not magical, miraculous, divine, given to you for a purpose, God's purpose. Have you ever experienced an answered prayer? Yeah. A miracle? That's a miracle, an answered prayer. You know it was from God, but it came through another person. Someone did something, said something at the right time. That was a miracle. To God be the glory for using that person to deliver that miracle. That's the way God works. Have you ever realized or thought that you may be the person that's providing the miracle to someone else? John 4, 48, and I'm, I'm getting close to winding up, says, unless you people see these signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will not believe. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Why would Jesus say that? 
I have to show you, I have to prove it to you. How do we recognize that with what Hebrews 11.1 1 and John 20.29 20, say that are like, faith is believing. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And that's really its own topic for study. But let me give you this to think about. Did you have faith before they answered prayer? If so, then it's affirmation. If you have more faith and hope, then it was a growth experience. In either case, it was a blessing. So thank God, literally thank God for that. And I'm just going to conclude with two more scriptures for your consideration. Job 5, 8 through 9. Now, Job was a man of God, but went through a lot for God. But listen to his advice. He says, but if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Do you remember how I started the service? Bring it to the cross. Bring your baggage here and give it to him. So he's saying, Job is saying, I would appeal to God. God, please take this from me. God, please handle the situation. I would lay my cause before him. Just unburden yourself. Surrender. Surrender. And last from Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Does God still perform miracles like raising someone from the dead? Yes, absolutely. And he has promised to do that for you. He will raise you from the dead on the day you pass from this earth. He will raise you from the dead just like he said to Lazarus. He said, come out. Come out and be with me. Now, if you're having trouble understanding what that means, if you don't know where to place your next step or faith or you don't even know where to begin, I want to hear from you. This church exists. My role in this church exists to help you find the answers to those questions. Okay? It's not something you have to do on your own. Let's pray. Father God, what a great reminder life is of how much we need you. And God, we may not be able to point at something and go, that is a true miracle in the sense of what we read in the Bible, but we can look around our lives every day and watch the miraculous things that happen as you use people. <clears throat> you answer prayers. Lord, it's a awesome blessing to to receive that it's even more of an awesome blessing to be a part of it so god we ask that you use us to further your kingdom in this world use us in miraculous ways to answer other people's prayers even if we don't know those prayers are lord if we're on the receiving end if we're just in a wilderness season in need of you help us to find patience as we persevere through this test Lord, let us know that the bread from heaven and the, the proverbial water will spring up where we need it to provide for us until we get to where you need us to be. Father God, I thank you for this church. Not just the building and the, the comfort and the warmth and, and the place, but what it represents. Lord, you are here with us. And when we leave this place, prayerfully having changed the better, a little lighter on our load because we've left some baggage and burdens at the cross. Lord, we know you go with us. Father God, we thank you for that and every single promise that you have kept. And we stand on every single one yet to be fulfilled. In your name we pray. Amen.